Hi guys, welcome to NHBF Shines On. I'm Brooke Evans and just like you, I run my own salon. I wanted to have real conversations with some of my favourite people in the industry about the highs and lows in hair and beauty. Today we're joined by Anne Vec. She has a three decade long career in the industry and has been described as one of the most iconic hairdressers in the world by Hair Magazine. She's had a long journey from France to running her own sustainable salon and we wanted to hear all about it on today's episode. That's why today on the podcast, NHBF shines on and Vec. Hello, Anne. Can you tell us about who you are and what you do? Yes. Hi. Thank you. So I'm Anne Vec and I do hair. <laughs> Short and sharp to the point. <laughs> right. So just a little bit more. I have been doing hair for a long time. I've had my salon for 31 years in Oxford. During that time, we also had two salons at some point. I then was joined by my husband and, of course, now business partner to run the business. Today, I'm really lucky. I am an ambassador for the brand of product I work with. So I can put various hats on, either salon owner, hairdresser, educator, photo shoot, fashion week. All of this is what I fill my weeks with. <laughs> So a very, very busy lady. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Taking it back a little bit, how did you get into hairdressing? Right. Well, I fell into hairdressing a little bit by mistake, really. It's certainly not something I was dreaming of when I was a little girl. At 16, my family situation was a little bit complicated and I had to get a job. My mum's hairdresser was looking for an apprentice. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a long time ago here. So, as I say, it wasn't the love at first sight for me. And I really, uh, I just thought, oh God, what am I doing here? Plus it was a really <laughs> old, it was a very old fashioned salon. Like we were doing mainly shampoo and set. So if I want to be really honest, I actually hated it. <laughs> but what I did like, I'm very good at doing manual work and I like creating. So I did like that side straight away. It's interesting that you say that, you know, you, you didn't really like the hairdressing it was shampoo and set. I think so many instances, especially from people that I've spoken to, have ended up in a salon that's not very high street, not very fashion focused. And, you know, they spend a lot of their time doing shampoo sets, perms and actually going, oh, it's not for me. I don't enjoy it. Mm. Well, the other thing is, I mean, in my days, when you signed an apprenticeship, you couldn't just turn around and say, oh, I don't want to do it again. Yeah. You had to see it through. So I signed this two years apprenticeship. Well, whether I like it or not was totally irrelevant. I just had to do it. My passion for hairdressing came afterwards when I was sort of, uh, I suppose, a bit better at it. Because to start with, you do do a lot of things which aren't that much fun, really. How did you end up moving to the UK? Like, what was that process? I came to UK as an au pair because I wanted to learn English. I replied to a, an ad for a hairdresser who was looking for a member staff and he applied, he put the advert in a French magazine. So I came in, did a trial. Now, obviously these days there was no Zoom, no internet, no nothing. You had to physically come. So I did, I came to UK, did that. And for some reason it didn't follow through. It didn't, didn't work out. So I was really disappointed. So I decided to come as an au pair, but didn't speak English. 
And this guy I knew spoke French because, of course, uh-huh. it, you know, I met him. So it took me about a month to realize how the phone worked in UK because <laughs> when you're abroad, you don't do the zero, you know, before the, oh. the, the, the... And I couldn't understand. I was doing the same number, but of course it wouldn't work. So anyway, cut very long story short, I ended up working in that guy's salon, the guy I originally contacted from France, about six months after I arrived. So I was in a very good au pair, I have to admit. <laughs> I'm, I'm hopefully, I, I was def- definitely a better hairdresser than an au pair. <laughs> <laughs> was there much difference in training in France and the UK? I think the training in France, now I'm talking about in my days, which, uh, oh God, it is many, many years ago. Uh, it's a little bit more, it's the same all across the board. Like if you train in North of France, you'll be doing the same training in South of France because you pass an exam, which is called CAP, Certificat d'Aptitude Professionnelle. And it's the same standard. It's a national standard and it's the same everywhere. Right. And the other things you tend to do more in France is you don't stop all the other subjects. Like I carried on doing French. I carried on doing accounting, employment law, this kind of thing. So that's also really important. And, and I did that as an apprentice. So it, it was really quite interesting. And I think hairdressing when I came in UK was more, it's, it's just the, 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 le- the minimum level tend to be a little bit higher in France, I'd say. So fast forward and you finally settled in Oxford. How did that salon get started? Okay, so the reason we came to Oxford, first of all, is because Keith at the time worked for an environmental charity called BTCV, British Trust Conservation for Volunteer. So it was just slightly outside Oxford in Wallingford and Wallingford was a little bit too small for my liking. You know, Oxford was the closest big big town. And also there was, uh, there's a European school just outside Oxford. So my children went to that school. So that's why Oxford and that's why I stayed in Oxford, really. And for anyone who's listening that maybe hasn't heard of you both, can you just explain who Keith is? So Keith is my business partner. He's also my husband. We've opened the second salon, Bista, in 2001, and that's when we started working together. So I run, I run the business on my own for the first 10 years. And uh, yes, Keith joined me after that. Oh, fab. And like, I feel like I've had a little insight information here previously, just before we started. Am I right in thinking that this salon has now been sold? Yes, that's right. So it's a new chapter in uh, in our lives, really, in my life. So I opened the salon in 1991 and went from strength to strength. At times we had as much as I think 12 employees in that salon. Then 2001, we opened the second salon in Bista. And then I sold that salon, Bista Salon, about three years ago to a member of staff who was also a really good friend of mine, and she was our manager. And then I just really, really recently sold Oxford to another member of staff, my manager again. And it's a really nice story because she started her career with me. She started as a as a Saturday girl, actually, 14-year-old, and she's been with me uh, for... 13 years, actually, 14 wow. years. And she now owns the salon. So it's really nice. At the moment, the, the name, my name is still on the doors, but it's, it's just really to help her for the transition. And yeah, for me, it's not the end of uh, Anvec the hairdresser. I don't think so. Anyway, I hope <laughs> not. 
I want to do a little bit more education and I just wanted to get rid of all the stress in my life associated with running the salon, but I don't want to stop hairdressing. I love hairdressing. I mean, what a journey. And I think it's as someone who's still very much in touch with my old boss, I think it's so refreshing to hear there are other people out there that have an amazing relationship with their team and like how fab that you've been able to sell your business to somebody who you know is going to love it as much as you did. Yeah. Yeah, that that was really important to me, especially because we've gone a long way with putting the salon on the map for sustainability and so on. And I really wanted to sell the salon to somebody who would have the same ethos as me. Touching on the sustainability, we know that you're very conscious of creating environmentally sustainable um, place of work. What made you want to go down the route of sustainability? So sustainability has always been present in my life. Uh, as I say, when I first met Keith, he worked for an environmental charity. So we were doing conservation work. And so it's always been present in my life. But when we refurbished the salon in Oxford 10 years ago, we were lucky that we had a little bit of extra cash. We can just invest into the salon and be more, more sustainable. And we also felt that it was the right thing to do. And was that a hard decision to invest in? Because like 10 years ago, I'm thinking back, like, was it, it wasn't really at the forefront of lots of people's minds, whereas now it's getting there. I was in a position to refurbish the salon and I thought, okay, now is the time to put in place things that are much easier to put in place when you're refurbishing, when you're almost starting from scratch, really. Uh, but it's not something I sort of debate, is it good for business or bad for business? It's something... It's always been part of my life. So mm -hmm. it seemed the right thing to do. And talking of refurbishment, so what was like one of the main things? Was it like your energy source? Was that changed? Yeah. So the main thing we uh, we did at the time, we fitted something called a ceramic fuel cell. And this is a, a machine, for a better word, which uh, transformed gas into electricity. And the electricity we produce is 50% greener than standard electricity. And by putting that in place, we reduce our utility bill by about 50%. Wow. So, which was quite amazing at the time. Now I'm talking in the past because we all know that the price of gas is shooting off the roof with the, the war in Ukraine and so on. Maybe we wouldn't be doing it today because the things are different. But at the time, it really just, it was the right technology and it was the best, the most on point technology to invest in a salon. Also, for this to work, this uh, blue gen generate heat and that heat is used to, to heat up a whole boiler of water. So there's no waste at all. So it's still today a little bit cheaper to run. But as I say, if we were doing it today, probably wouldn't be the best technology now. Isn't it funny? Because I mean, I've been in a similar situation where you're trying to be sustainable as well. And there are so many different options out there to create electricity and you sell on and we did uh, an air source heat pump. But actually, like you just said, financially now, the difference isn't probably as great as what it would have been. Mm. Um, I think it's hitting everybody hard. But I think for me, and I'm sure yourself, it's the thought process of you being greener that gets you through more than how much of a financial impact it's going to have. 
Yeah, exactly. I think it's also a myth to think that going green costs more money. It doesn't yeah. cost more money in the long run. Yeah. For us, it's been financially so beneficial. It's not why we did it, but it was like a, almost a byproduct. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's been really, really beneficial to, to put the salon on the map as sustainable. I remember speaking to my team about having towels that aren't to be laundered. You know, it's mm. more environmentally friendly and you're not using the electricity, et cetera, et cetera. However, they were baffled at how much money you actually spend on towels. The mm. fact that you're still saving money by buying them and reusing them. Yeah, I think it's because we are... Everybody has a washing machine at home these days. So you don't mm-hmm. think twice before you put stuff in the washing machine and you wash it. You don't think about the amount of water you're using, the amount of electricity, the amount of detergent. You you wash down the drain. You don't really think about it. It's happening sort of behind the scene. So when you come across a company, I mean, we use Easy Dry, but when you come across a company who monetized all this and mm-hmm. also the time saving, I probably had a member of staff stuck in a staff room almost all day, you know, not mm. the same one, thank God for her, but, uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Dealing with towels yeah. and not to count the tumble dryer who was always broken. And of course you had no tumble dryer. You had no, no hot towel, clean towels. I just say, Oh God. I mean, it was just a blessing when these towels came up, the, you know, compostable towels. I, I mm-hmm. really, I don't look back. And it's also, it does take a little bit of education, both on your staff and client. And on your staff, I'd say you have to also make sure they use only one towel per client, not three or four. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no brainer. It's just totally changed the salon. I definitely wouldn't go back to to standard towels. Definitely not. I'm absolutely with you on that one. They were a nightmare. I remember as an apprentice being lumbered to go to the laundrette because the tumble dryer dried and we needed towels. None of that. <laughs> hey, no, exactly. Well, with me, I'm doing everything on my bike and I would take home every day a big load of towel because my salon staff room is too small to have the washing machine. So I'd, I would wash them at home. And believe me, I certainly <laughs> carry my fair share of wet towel. <laughs> you knew about so, it. <laughs> oh God, yeah. And oh, I live on the top of a hill and I have oh, to cycle no. up the hill with the dirty towel. Down the hill oh. with a clean one, but oh God. Awful. I mean, essentially what I want to ask here and what I really want the listeners to hear, do your clients appreciate the lengths that you go to to be more sustainable? Absolutely. Absolutely. There isn't one week going back without a new client entering the salon saying, I've chosen your salon because you're green credential. Literally, it's just no brainer. But also it sort of improves your brand image and gives you a competitive advantage. You reduce your cost. You also increase the the business ability to comply with regulation, whatever regulation might come into place. And you reduce waste, which that in itself reduce cost. Absolutely. And is there any advice that you'd give to a salon that says they want to be more eco-friendly, but they're afraid of the cost? Yeah, definitely. So download our salon resource. Keith and I have put together during the, the first lockdown, we've put together a manual called Salon Resource. It's a simple, sustainable salon toolkit where we share information and recommendation on how to run your salon more sustainable. So it's in three parts. 
So you've got baby step, easy and lowest cost. Next step, sort of a little bit more in investment needed. And the bit step, so the one you take when you refurbish a salon, like what you've done, you've inserted uh, your heat pump, I did the blue gen. If you've got a single premises, you could put solar panel, this kind of thing. And where can they find that? So they go on Instagram, salon resource. It's free to download and we're constantly updating it. Amazing. Yeah. Instagram is the place. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make when trying to go green? I think it's just to make sure you you research your new product. I'll just take a, a simple example. So the other day I walk in the salon. So bear in mind, the salon's not mine anymore. Yeah. And I find a box of wipes, which is color remover wipes. I said to Kelly, I said, Kelly, do you realize these are terrible? Wipes are non-biodegradable. They are responsible for all the fatberg in the sewage. And it does say on the on the package, I think he said recyclable. Well, it was just the plastic container was recyclable. Uh, but I'm okay. pretty sure the lingette inside was not. So just to dig out a little bit more and make sure you you associate yourself with people who are the same ethos and go on the same journey. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because there is quite a bit of greenwashing out there. So you just have to be a little bit mindful about it and make sure you do your research properly. But the information is out there. Absolutely. So I feel like we've gone full round here. We've gone from the start, middle and where you are right now. But where do you see yourself in five years time? Okay. So in five years time, I still would like to do some clients. So at the moment, I'm still doing about two days in the salon and I, I love doing my client. I've, some people have been doing their hair ever since I've started that salon 30 years ago. So they're more my friends than my clients. I want to do a bit more education. I'm already doing quite a bit with Daviness. I've started my journey a long time ago doing more curly, coily hair. So I've put together a course on that, sort of my personal experience, how I started doing Afro hair. So I want to share that. And also my sustainable journey. Seems like people don't get enough of me explaining how we do it. So I want to spread the words. But also I still want to do, I love collaborating on photo shoot, on editorial and doing creative works. So I want to do more of that. More of the fun stuff. This is the perfect timing to bring us to the quick fire questions. So no more than a few sentences and we'll ask you a few questions and you just answer them as you wish. So number one, what is your favorite new beauty product? New beauty product. Well, whoa, I like um, my favorite beauty product is a night cream from Dick Leo. I love it. It's definitely my secret. <laughs> Who was the worst client you ever had? I can't think of anybody in particular, but there is one thing I hate is when you start a conversation with a client and say, oh, hi, uh, I'm Anne I'm doing your hair today. What would you like? Oh, before we start, I just want to tell you, I hate hairdressers. I much prefer going to the dentist than hairdresser. And I'm thinking, uh-huh, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, I don't understand why people would, in their right mind, start their, their journey with us and say that. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but you do have people yeah. say, 
saying that? Did you think, oh, okay, well. <laughs> you're here and I'm doing your hair. <laughs> um, you're here and I'm doing your hair and I've got the scissors, so don't tell me you don't like me <laughs> before I even open my mouth. <laughs> it's definitely happened to me too, so don't worry. I know. Crazy, absolutely crazy. What is the worst haircut you've ever gotten? <laughs> My hair is actually quite nice. It's, it's quite thick and it's quite long and it's wavy and it, it does what I want, yeah? Anyway, when I I was about 20 or something like that, I, I went to the salon and I decided my hair was really boring. So I got my colleague to take a section on the top and do a flat top, just really, <laughs> really short flat top, not connecting anything else, like your extreme mullet. However, my brother was getting married a month later and I was a witness at his wedding. And I could tell you, my mom was not impressed at all by my fancy haircut. <laughs> I, thought, oh, wow. I thought it looked quite cool. Although when I looked at the picture now, it does make me cringe a bit. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> What's the worst haircut you've ever given? Well, the worst one is uh, my lack of English, really. This guy asked me to cut his hair over his ears. And I thought that meant off the ears. And his hair was quite long. It was like way past his ears. So I said, oh, okay, so you haven't had your hair cut for quite a long time. And he said, no, not really, like six weeks. And I said, oh, God, it grows fast. And I'm cutting his hair right off. And as I'm cutting his hair, I'm thinking, God, he's got big ears. <laughs> and yeah, he wanted his hair left over his ears. Oh, no. So I thought, oh. And then the worst thing is I'm I'm cutting. So he goes mad. He said, are you crazy, my hair? So, and then I'm about to do the other side. And I said to him, I said, what do you want me to do on the other side? Shall I leave it longer? I can't believe I said that. I was so embarrassed. It was just like, oh my God, what do I do? Do I leave him one side long? So at least he's... At least it's got one ear covered. <laughs> yes. I did cut both sides short. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Uh, oh, God. Oops. That's pretty funny. <laughs> if you could change one thing about the industry, what would it be? I think about the industry today, it would be to use the social media with moderation. Social media is brilliant and it's a great tool to work but don't let it take over your life, really. What is the biggest business mistake you've ever made? The biggest mistake, although it wasn't really a mistake, it's something I couldn't have done it different, but I think it's about 15 or maybe 20 years ago, the leasehold of the salon came for sale, the freehold, I mean, and we couldn't quite manage to put all the money together to buy the freehold of the business. Now, looking back, we should have tried the harder. We should have tried to borrow more, maybe a remortgage the house. But I wish I bought the freehold of that salon. It makes a difference, doesn't it? Ah, definitely. Definitely. And where the salon is situated, you you can't go wrong in Oxford. You know, there'll always be a tenant and it's always be good. Yeah. So, yes, I wish I could have bought it then.
Well, I just wanted to say a massive thank you on behalf of the NHBF and myself for giving up your time today and speaking to us. And I'm sure the listeners will be loving hearing what you've had to say. If anybody wants to find you, I know we've just touched on the whole no social media, but even though you do it, where can they find you? <laughs> well, they can find me on Instagram because I am on Instagram and I do do my fair share of scrolling and, you know, wasting time on it. And I'm, I'm just saying within moderation. But yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I always love meeting a new hairdresser sharing. If you need anything, do message me and Vex Salon on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much, Anne, for joining us on the podcast. That's it for today's episode of NHBF Shines On. In our next episode, we'll continue to bring you the stories of the brightest lights in the hair and beauty industry and bring you the personal insights that could take your business to the next level. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.